we are starting a new series. Um, can we put the first slide up? Um, <clears throat> called Simply Jesus. And we're going to do this series because we reckon that if we can get to know more about Jesus, then we will get to know uh, more about God. And we get, the more we get to know about Jesus, the more he will become our greatest treasure, uh, the greatest joy in our life, and the more we are willing to lay down everything for him. That is what I want. I want to be, I personally want to be so in love with Jesus that I can lay down everything else just to know him and to be in his presence. And also it's going to help us lay a really good foundation because next term we're going to do a series on sexuality, which to be honest might be, you know, that might be tricky. There might be some challenges in there and thinking, oh, how are we going to cope with this? And what are we? But actually what we wanted to do is we have to lay down a foundation of Jesus first. We love Jesus first and everything uh, follows on from that. So this morning, we are looking at this, um, the whole understanding of, is Jesus God? I mean, I'm saying that as a question. I hope you understand. I'm not, that's not really, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to present the argument that actually today, Jesus is God. And we accept these things, don't we? We say, we accept that Jesus is God, but then when we start asking questions about it, it's not uh, always quite so easy. So if you've got your Bibles, can you please turn to uh, John uh, chapter 8? And um, we're going to read uh, in a moment from uh, John chapter 8. Jill, can you get my glasses? Otherwise, we, we won't be able to read John chapter 8. They're in there somewhere. Um, has anybody watching, been watching the news this week? Thank you. Thanks. Uh, has anybody been watching uh, any of the politics this week? It's been quite feisty, hasn't it? Did anyone watch um, Prime Minister's Question Time this week? I, I didn't watch it, but I listened to it on the radio, and you're thinking, oh, my word. There was just this massive argument with Keir Starmer standing up and sort of like trying to sort of land a few punches on Boris Johnson, then Boris Johnson getting up and rebuffing him, and they were just, they were at each other's throats backwards. What, what, what about these parties that are going on? And well, we can't do these parties. We're going to wait till some report comes out. And, but if the country would have been in a total mess of it, it'll be down to you, Keir Starmer. But they were this massive argument to and fro all the time. And then you had Keir Starmer, and then you had this guy, Christian Wakeford, who was the MP for Bury South, sitting directly behind Keir Starmer. Starmer with his mask on, looking very, very smug because he had just swapped from being a Conservative MP to a Labour MP. And everyone's thinking, ah, look, we've got this guy, he's just crossed over to our side, we're so much better than you, you're rubbish. It was quite a big argument. John chapter 8 is like that. <laughs> just so you know. It's this massive argument that is going on, and they're like toing and froing back. Oh, um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll read that. Actually, can you go back one? We'll go back to that slide. Yeah, we'll stay on this for a moment. Because we, we have to look at what else was going in John chapter 8. John, the verses that we're going to read only make sense when we understand the wider context. Because the Pharisees, they, they were just trying to trip Jesus up. They were trying to land a few punches on him and then Jesus would come back and he would say this. But, and then they were trying to make him say something really stupid or they were trying to make him say something really daft or they were trying to make him say something that was really blasphemous. And it was just backwards and forwards all the time. But the heart of the bust up was this. Jesus said, I am God. 
And the Pharisees did not like it. It wound them up so much. They were furious. And they didn't like it at all. So when we go back to the context of John chapter 8, John chapter 8 is quite a long chapter, so just very quickly, um, I'm going to summarize the context of the rest of the chapter. In, jo- in the first few verses of John chapter 8, the Pharisees brought in this woman who'd just, been had, who'd just had an affair. And the Pharisees said, ah, Jesus, what are you going to do to this woman? Are you going to love her or are you going to stone her to death? Because the law says you've got to stone her to death. So Jesus said, well, yes, the law does say that. But I tell you what, the first person who, doesn't, who has never sinned in their lives, I tell you what, you can cast the first stone. So they all sort of like gently drifted away. Then Jesus was in the temple, and then Jesus started saying things like this. I am the light of the world. He said, you don't know where I came from, or you don't know where I'm I'm going to. He was talking to the Pharisees. And then he started saying things like this. My father in heaven is going to back me up. They hated it. They said, you can't say that. That's mad. And then he said to the Pharisees, you are of this world. I'm not of this world. And then the Pharisees were saying, who on earth do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And then Jesus says this, I'll tell you who I am. I'm working hand in hand with my heavenly father. Later on in the chapter, Jesus says this, if you believe in me, I'm going to set you free. They're thinking, no, you can't say these things. And then, I'll tell you what, we'll read just a few verses before. But we'll read verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 41 to 45. This is when Jesus is at his most pastoral and conciliatory. You are doing the works your father did. And the Pharisees said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you can't bear to hear the words that I'm saying? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do his business. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reasons why you do not hear them is that, lovely people, lovely Pharisees, you are not of God. I mean, Jesus was fairly robust. He wasn't hanging back. He was saying, no, you you are of the devil. Okay. That's the context. So these are the verses that we're going to uh, look at today. And it is verse uh, 48. Onwards. And yeah, great. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? And Jesus, I mean, they are, I mean, this is like, if you think about this as Parliament, you know, Prime Minister's question time, they are just like going at each other all the time. Jesus answered, I, don't, I do not have a de- demon, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. But truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my wor- word, he will never see death. 
And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? Ha, ha, ha. And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, Look, you're not even 50 years old, and you say you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then they went mad. They gathered, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. The key phrase that we have to look at, I think it, oh yeah, sorry, if we go back, yeah. The, the key phrase there was, when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That, that is the key phrase in it. And basically what, what Jesus is saying, look, before Abraham was a glint in his father's eye, I was there. I've been there before the beginning of time. And the Pharisees knew exactly. We might think, <coughs> Jesus, we don't really know what you're saying. The Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was trying to say. He wasn't claiming that he was just really old. You know, he wasn't claiming that he was more than 2,000 years old. He used exactly the same phrase when, when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush and when, when Moses said, who are you? What did God reply? He said, I am who I am. I am who I am. There is no other definition for who I am than myself. I am who I am. God Almighty said, I am who I am. And then Jesus echoes that here. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And so they thought, this man is clearly just making himself out to be God. And so they gathered around. They thought, oh, there's a nice breeze block there. There's a nice little rock there. They got it all together. And they were just going to stone Jesus to death. Why is it so important that Jesus is God? So here we go, little test. Can you just turn to the person near you and, and have a slight discussion? Why is it important that Jesus is God? Why is it important? Ask, ask the question. Well, I'm, I'm answering a question for you, but you might not even be asking it. Why is it important? Have we, have we got any good answers? So are you with theology? <laughs> okay, is it... Why, why is it important? Anybody? Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so good. We like this. Okay, we've got some answers. Okay, right. Now, you've just done a theology degree. Okay, you're going to wait for a moment. Okay. Uh, 
Well, no, we're going to come. We'll come with the right. The right answer. We're going to come to you at the end, okay? And Zoe's going to back it up as well because she did a theology degree as well. Okay, so Becky, you were going to start. What were you going to say? You, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Good. So. It, it, it could just be like a human that died on the cross, just a human that died on the cross. So, yeah, it's important. It's good. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah? Okay, so actually, it, we're saying he was one with his heavenly father, so he just does what his father said. So, he, like, otherwise, Jesus would just be doing his own thing. He'd be going off and having a jolly and doing his own little thing. Yeah, it's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody else? Wait a minute. Yes, go on then, Marie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Sorry, say it again, Marie. God created the universe. He created this world. He created the moon, the sun, the rain, the trees, the birds, everything. Yeah, but is, well, the question is, is Jesus God, though? That's the, what we're asking. We know, why is it important? Okay, it's important, yeah, because, okay, yeah, because Jesus was involved in creating everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very. We, we can see what God is like if Jesus is God as well. Yeah, Ivana. And then maybe two more. Yeah. I think that in the olden days, killing was not, was not included. There were people who were killing everywhere, and there was no honor. And so God had to stop because otherwise there was no heaven, there was no honor. So to bring things back into order. Okay, so. So to bring things back into that sense of the godly right order. Yes, very good. Okay, Sharon, you were going to say something? <laughs> yes, Sharon. I really like this. We could just do this all the time, really, and then just think, okay, yeah. Saves all my work, yeah, isn't it? Fantastic. So it comes back to the whole like a doctrine of substitutionary atonement. You have to have a perfect sacrifice who was God to be able to uh, forgive our sins. When we forgive us, we have to know that we are confident. Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, so let's go Jonathan, Tim, Michelle, and then Manuela, and then that's it. No more after that, okay. We'll have the right oh, and Anna, right at the back, because we need to have somebody who's on the back row. Okay, right, yeah. So what was the order we said? Jonathan, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I, I think what he thinks over there. I think what she thinks. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a cop-out. You can't just say, I agree with him. Okay, so, okay, so, where do we get Tim? If he's not God, then he's a liar. Absolutely. If he's not God, he's a liar. He wants to worship a liar. I don't. Okay, yeah, Michelle? Only God can restore us to himself. Absolutely, yeah. So, and that's what Jesus said he was going to do. He's going to restore us to ourselves. Yeah, okay. Um, Anna? Okay, so that, that follows like what Tim was saying here, that actually he said he's God, and if he's not God, he's either some madman or he's a liar or... Yeah, okay. Have I said anybody that I... Man, okay, Manuela. Manuela. Right, okay. <laughs> Just stand up. Manuel is going to give us the definitive <laughs> answer. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on then. No, it's just that only God can forgive sins. Yeah. And Jesus came and offered forgiveness of sins, and only he can do it. Okay. Because he's God. Yeah. That's it. Uh, only Jesus, who is God, can forgive us our sins. I want to know that actually, if he says I'm going to go to heaven, when I die, am I going to go to heaven? It's important, yeah. So just, Zoe, how did we do? <laughs> yeah, okay, right, okay. <laughs> Okay. It is massively important. 
It's the foundation of our Christian faith. If Jesus is not God, what are we doing here? We're spending all this time worshipping somebody and are thinking, we're mad. Why are we worshipping somebody if he's not God? We're not worshipping some guru. We're not worshipping a good teacher. We're not worshipping a good idea. We want to be worshipping the one who created everything. Otherwise, we're just singing songs. We might as well just join a community choir. That's the so I, I spend quite a lot of time praying. I really like praying. I really, I mean, no, I, you know, I just think, oh, it's quite a good thing to do. Is it, am I, is it just self-therapy? Am I just talking to myself? It does. If, no, Shivana. Shivana said, yeah, it does feel like that. Sometimes. Yeah, but it does. But you am I praying to anybody? Well, if Jesus isn't God, yes, I am praying to nobody. I might as well just go and talk to a brick wall. If Jesus isn't God, it's totally worthless. There's no point to it. And what we've said is here, you know, like, I am, a, I am acutely aware of my sin. Particularly, no, I'm not going to tell you no. No, but I am acutely aware of my sin. But I know that what Jesus says is this, that when I stand before him, actually, I am forgiven. I'm clothed in righteousness. If he's not God, he has no right to say that. The whole of our future is based on this one thing. Is Jesus God? Loads of people will say things like this. He's a really good man. He's a good man. You can't deny that. He's a good man. He's got good ideas about how to live his life. He valued community. He values people. He values animals. God, nah, I don't, I don't, you know, that's just pushing it too far. He's not actually God. And some people even say that even Jesus never claimed to be God. And what you have to say to people of that is this. (laughs) He said it all the time. That was the key thing that he was trying to say to people. I am God. So this is what this is what the Bible says about was Jesus God in uh, John one, uh, John one one and verse fourteen. It says this: In the beginning was the Word. It's talking using the word Word as as Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know those verses. Later on in John 1 verse 18, it says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. Basically, Jesus has made God known to us. And then in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says this, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And you know, some people said that, well, I think the disciples, they loved Jesus so much, and he had such a big impact on his life, that when they were writing the Gospels, Jesus never really claimed himself to be God, so they just wrote it in that actually he was God. After the event, they just wrote in and said, no, we think Jesus was such an amazing guy, he was like God. But that's nonsense, because Jesus himself said this, I am God. 
You know, in the Old Testament, all the prophets, everybody that spoke, they said things like this. This is what the Lord says. And then you knew that they were hearing from God and they were speaking. What did Jesus say? This is what I say. I say this. He spoke with real authority. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You know that time when Jesus was a young uh, like child and he got caught up in his father's temple, in, 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 in the temple, and his mum and dad were looking for him all over the place. Three days, that is a real you know, safeguarding issue, child protection issue. We need to understand that Mary and Joseph were like, you know, anyway, they were not so good, but they lost Jesus for three days. And then he said, did you not know where I would be? I'd be in my father's house. Where else would I be? You need to understand that that is a totally unprecedented statement in Jewish scriptures. Nobody talked like that. But this young boy, he knew that God was on him. He knew that he was in his father's house. All the time, Jesus was saying this to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? the central point of what he was trying to say. He wanted to draw out this, who do you really think I am? You know, the Pharisees asked that question, but they were asking it in a mocking way. They were saying, who do you think you are? Jesus said it in exact, the exact same words, but in a totally, come on, who do you think I am? And he would ask the same question to us even now. What would you do if somebody like bowed down to you said, what would you do, okay, if I just came and said, oh, I love this person. I'm just going to bow down and worship you. What would you say? Get up. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that so, rather than saying, yeah, I quite like this, actually. <laughs> of course. She says, no, get up. Don't be stupid. And people tried to do that to Paul and Barnabas, didn't they, in Acts. And Paul and Barnabas did exactly the same thing. Well done, you did exactly the same thing. They said, get up, don't worship me. Don't, you're an idiot, don't do that. What did Jesus do when people tried to worship him? What did he do? He said, yeah, that's the right thing. <laughs> it's the right thing to worship me. After the resurrection, the disciples said this, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings, hello. And they came up to him and they took a hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. He, he accepted, when people worshipped him, he accepted it. He said, yeah, that's the right thing to do. And then you have this passage that links back to the Old Testament that we read in John chapter 8. When the Pharisees were just having, they were really trying to land some punches on Jesus. And he just said the list, before Abraham was, I am before the creation of the time. The Trinity is this foundational doctrine of Christian orthodoxy. We, we take away this whole thing of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together, and we, sort of like, we, we decimate our faith. But Jesus was saying this, no, before everything, before anything happened, I was with my Father and the Holy Spirit. So we get to this point where the Bible says that Jesus is God. Some of the central teaching of Jesus is saying that, no, I, Jesus was saying, no, I am God. But is that enough evidence? Critics would say, well, of 
course the Bible says that Jesus is God. And of course Jesus says that he is God because he's got a vested interest in saying so. I could come and tell you here this morning, in all seriousness actually, I am probably one of the greatest living astronauts. <laughs> a lot of the time, you, I'm say I'm visiting other churches and I, I'm not actually, I'm, you know, going up and doing a little bit of work on the space station and, um, I mean, I don't like to boast about it, to be honest, you know, but it's the way it is. Just because I say it doesn't mean to say it's true. Exactly. It's not, and, and just, you know, it's not, it's not true. But people, can, you can say whatever you want, but that's not enough. And this is where C.S. Lewis came in. And when Tim said, it makes God out to be a liar, this is where this, it comes in. Because everybody says, oh no, Jesus was a really good man. He could not be a good man if he said all the things that he said and he wasn't God. It's just, it's impossible. And so if you, if you want to look up, I, I'd never heard this phrase before, but we all know what a dilemma is, two sort of like opposing things. I'd never heard of a trilemma before. But anyway, if you, if you look up C.S. Lewis trilemma, okay, it just talks about C.S. Lewis, who was, he did a lot of um, preaching. He, he wrote The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, an extraordinary author. Um, but this is, I just got some quotes that basically it says this, our options for Jesus are this. He was either mad, he was either bad, or he was God. Or if you want to do it in an illiterate form, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was the Lord. This is what C.S. Lewis said. I am trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept, accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say, says C.S. Lewis. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or, he must, or else he must be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, However strange and terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. And so we arrive at this point with, with Jesus, who was born to a young Jewish woman in what is now the central West Bank of Palestine just over 2,000 years ago who trained and worked as a carpenter and then was executed by an occupying Roman army, age 33, who was also together with our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit before the beginning of all time. He was instrumental in what we've heard about the creation of the universe. And he now reaches out 
to offer reconciliation and hope to us because he is the only one able to do that. So just to, to finish, some verses. Today, you can know God personally because of Jesus. We read it before, John 1 verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side, and he has made him known. John 14 verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and still do you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Philip, has seen, has seen the Father. Not the Philip. We don't worship Philip. <clears throat> we, we live where there have been people, and we're going to talk about John right at the very end, who saw Jesus and who wrote about him and were excited about him. I, I have never seen God, but I, I read about people who have seen Jesus, have been in his presence. Because Jesus is God, I can be saved from my many, many sins. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. I can know God because of Jesus. I can be saved because of Jesus. I have a, a sympathetic Lord. I have somebody who who understands what it is to, to live in a place where we're on pressure from all sides. Because in Hebrews 4 it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have Jesus who who can sympathise with us, that when I pray and speak to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit, I know that he is listening. He understands me. I'm not talking to myself. I'm not speaking to the wind. I'm speaking to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to this place of worshipping. You know, every, every single one of us will worship something. You know, everybody alive will worship somebody. We're just made to worship something. We're made to sort of like hold something really, really dear. You do, we just got to choose what we worship. That's the point. And I'm not just talking about us in the room. I'm talking every single person who has ever been alive and is ever alive now. Every single person will worship something in their life. Popularity or fame or acceptance or money or a job or a house or a football team or a rugby team, or music, or I don't know what it is. We've just got to choose what do we worship, what's worthy of worshipping. And that's why, you know, when we come together in church, I do something, I'm just asking the question, why do we come to church? Well, it is a really good thing to come and worship Jesus. And when I worship Jesus, and then you are worshipping Jesus, and you are worshipping, and together we were, I love that. I want to submit to one another as we worship Jesus. What's the, what, what could be better than that? It could be the best thing in the world. So I, I just want to finish by reading a, another few. There's been quite a lot of verses I've read, and, but I think it's been helpful you know, this morning. But I want to talk about this, finish the, these few verses that the Apostle John wrote. He was an old man. 
He had seen Jesus probably about 50 years, 50 years before. But he writes these few, four verses in 1 John 1. And he, you always get a sense of like, he's this incredibly excited child. And you know when a child is really excited, they just say, this happened and this happened, and they just keep repeating themselves, and, and then this happened, and then I don't believe in this. And they said, actually, you've already said that. I know, but then this happened, and it was so exciting. And then we, we went down the hill, and there was wind in my hair. Oh, it's great, and I loved it. And so John, this old apostle, He's like, he's thinking back about all the things that he did with Jesus. He's thinking about the times they went walking along the beach. He's thinking about the times that he was like, he was on the Lake Galilee with him. He's thinking about eating with him, about walking with him, about fishing, about laughing. He's thinking about the time when Jesus like washed his feet. And then this is what tumbles out of his mouth. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. And we saw it with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one who is life itself and was revealed to us. And we saw him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and what we actually heard so that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing those, these things so that you might fully share our joy. Because he had seen that Jesus is God. And it changes everything. Can I ask you just to stand with me? Sometimes we want to, to open up the Bible and, and to say these are the, the practical implications of what we read. These are the practical applications that we can then live out in our lives. But, you know, sometimes we just have to open the Bible and say, this is what Jesus says to us. And Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, says this. Before Abraham was, I am. I am. I love it when you worship me. I love it when you trust me for your salvation. I love it when you understand more about God because you've seen something of me and you're filled with my Holy Spirit. Now delight in me, says Jesus. Orientate your life around knowing that I am the living God. And I speak words of grace and kindness and truth to you. I welcome you into my presence. If you believe that I am the living God, that I submit to my Father in heaven and I pour out my Holy Spirit on you. Jesus. Lord Jesus, I want to ask that the fact that you are divine that you are fully God and, feel, and you were fully human. I pray, Lord, that it would be this, the foundation upon which we lay our lives. That that would be so true for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and 
So like seal that in our hearts right now. And as you seal it in our hearts, I pray that our lives would be different. And that we don't know all the different circumstances that we will all face this week, that we'll all face in the coming year, that we will all face in with our friends and our family. But I pray that this would be, Holy Spirit, you'd seal it in our hearts now that you are the living God. And it's right to worship you. And we say, come pour your spirit out upon us. Father, thank you.